Chapter Fifty Two of Saint George and Saint Michael, Volume Three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April Six Zero Nine Zero, California, United States of America. Saint George and Saint Michael, Volume Three by George MacDonald the untoothsome plum it was a starry night with a threatening of moonrise and dorothy was anxious to reach the cottage before it grew lighter but they must not get into the high road at any nearer point than the last practicable for then they would be more likely to meet soldiers and dick's feet to betray their approach over field after field therefore they kept on as fast as tom now and then stopping to peer anxiously over the next fence or into a boundary ditch could lead the way at last they reached the place by the side of a bridge where marquis led richard off the road and there they scrambled up oh lord cried tom and waked a sentry dozing on the low parapet who goes there he cried starting up and catching at his carbine which leaned against the wall oh master began tom in a voice of terrified appeal but dorothy interrupted him i am an honest woman of the neighborhood she said and thou wilt come home with me i will afford thee a better bed than thou hast there and also a better breakfast i warrant thee than thou had a supper that is and thou be one of the godly supplemented tom i thank thee mistress returned the sentinel but not for the indulgence of carnal appetite will i forsake my post who is he goeth with thee a fellow whose wit is greater than his courage and yet he goeth with many for a born fool a parlous coward he is else might he now be fighting the amalekites with the sword of the lord and of gideon yet in good sooth he serveth me well for the nonce the sentry glanced at tom but could see little of him except a long white oval and tom was now collected enough to put in exercise his best wisdom which consisted in holding his tongue answer me then mistress how being a godly woman as i doubt not from thy speech thou art thee rides thus late with none but a fool to keep thee company knowest thou not that the country is full of soldiers whereof some though that they be all true-hearted and right-minded men would not mayhap carry themselves so civil to a woman as corporal Bearbanner? and now i bethink me thou comest from the direction of raglan here he drew himself up summoned a voice from his chest a story or two deeper and asked in magisterial tone whence comest thou woman and on what business gaddest thou so late i am coming from visiting at a friend's house and am now almost on my own farm answered dorothy the man turned to tom and dorothy began to regret she had brought him he was trembling visibly and his mouth was wide open with terror see she said how thy gruff voice terrifieth the innocent if now he should fall in a fit thou wert to blame as she spoke she put her hand in her pocket and taking from it her untoothsome plum popped it into tom's mouth instantly he began to make such strange uncouth noises that the sentinel thought he had indeed terrified him into a fit i must get him straight away home good-night friend said dorothy 
and giving dick the rein she was off like the wind heedless of the shouts of the sentinel or the feeble cries of pursuing tom who if he could not fight could run following his mistress at great speed he was instantly lost in the darkness and the sentinel who had picketed his horse in a neighboring field sat down again on the parapet of the bridge and began to examine all that dorothy had said with a wondrous inclination to discover the strong points in it having galloped a little way dorothy drew bridle and halted for tom as soon as he came up she released him and telling him to lay hold of dick's mane and run alongside kept him at a fast trot all the way to his mother's house the moon had risen before they reached it and dorothy was therefore glad when she dismounted at the gate to think she need ride no further but while tom went in to rouse his mother she let dick have a few bites of the grass before taking him into the kitchen lest the roundheads should find him the next moment however out came tom in terror saying there was a man in his mother's closet and he feared the roundheads were in possession then take care of thyself tom said dorothy and mounting instantly she made dick scramble up into the fields that lay between the cottage and her own house and set off at full speed across the grass in the moonlight an ethereal pleasure which not even an anxious secret could blast through a gap in the hedge she had just popped into the second field when she heard the click of a flintlock and a voice she thought she knew ordering her to stand within a few yards of her was again a roundhead soldier if she rode away he would fire at her that mode of escape therefore she would keep for a last chance the moon by this time was throwing an unclouded light from more than half a disc upon the field keeping a sharp eye upon the man's movements she allowed him to come within a pace or two but the moment he would have taken dick by the bridle she was three or four yards away fright not my horse friend she said but how she added suddenly remembering him is it possible master upstill gently gently little dick master upstill is an old friend what hast thou too turned soldier left thy last and lapstone and turned soldier master upstill i have left all and followed him mistress answered castdown art sure he called thee master upstill i heard him with my own ears called thee to be a shedder of blood master upstill called me to be a fisher of men and thee i catch mistress thus returned the man stepping quickly forward and making another grasp at dick's bridle it was all dorothy could do to keep herself from giving him a smart blow across the face with her whip and riding off but she gave dick the cut instead and sent him yards away poor dick poor dick she said patting his neck be quiet master upstill will do thee no wrong be quiet little man as she thus talked to her jennet upstill again drew near now more surly than at first say what manner of woman art thou he demanded with pompous anger whence comes thou and whither does thee go home answered dorothy what place calls thee home why dost not know me master upstill when i was a little one thou didst make my shoes for me i trust it will be forgiven me mistress truly i had ne'er made shoe for thee and i had foreseen what thee would come to for i make no farther doubt thou art a consorter with malignants harlots and papists again he clutched at her bridle and this time whether it was dorothy or dick's fault with success 
dorothy dropped the bridle down put her hand in her pocket struck dick smartly with her whip and as he reared in consequence drew it across upstill's eyes and so found the chance of administering her bolus it was thoroughly effective the fellow left his hold of the bridle and began a series of efforts to remove it which rapidly grew wilder and wilder until at last his gestures were those of a maniac there she cried as she bounded from him take thy first lesson in good manners no one can rid thee of that mouthful which is as thy evil words returned to choke thee thou hadst better keep me in sight she added as she gave dick his head for no one else can free thee upstill ceased his futile efforts caught up his carbine and fired not without risk to dorothy for he was far too wrathful to take the aim that would have ensured her safety but she rode on unhurt meditating how to secure upstill when she got him to wyfern whither she doubted not he would follow her her difficulties were not yet past however for just as she reached her own ground she was once again met by the order to stand this time it came in a voice which notwithstanding the anxiety it brought with it was almost as welcome as well known and yet made her tremble for the first time that night it was the voice of richard haywood dick also seemed to know it for he stood without a hint from his mistress while through the last hedge that parted her from the little yet remaining of the property of her father's came the man she loved an enemy between her and her own the marquise's request to be allowed to communicate with the king had been an unfortunate one it increased suspicion of all kinds rendered the various reports of the landing of the irish army under lord glamorgan more credible roused the resolution to render all communication impossible and led to the drawing of a cordon around the place that not a soul should pass unquestioned the measure would indeed have been unveiling had the garrison been as able as formerly to make sallies but ever since colonel morgan received his reinforcement the issuing troopers had been invariably met at but a few yards from home and immediately driven in again by largely superior numbers still the cordon required a good many more men than the besieging party could well spare without too much weakening their positions and they had therefore sought the aid of all the gentlemen of puritan politics in the vicinity and of course that of mr haywood with the men his father sent richard himself offered his services in the hope that at the coming fall of the stronghold he might have a chance of being useful to dorothy they had given the cordon a wide extension in order that an issuing messenger might not perceive his danger until he was too far from the castle to regain it and then by capturing him might acquire information hence it came that posts could be assigned to richard and his men within such a distance of redware as admitted of their being with their own people when off duty End of chapter 52